Thank you for listening to Lincoln Way Christian Church's podcast. Um, when I first learned how to pray, um, I was a kid, and, and um, it was taught by my parents, and those were formula prayers. And the two formula prayers that we were taught in our home, very, very young, was, um, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take, which was pretty scary whenever you're about three and a half years old. It's like, oh, you know. And then, then, we, then we learned how to, uh, how to pray um, at the d- dinner table. We said, God is great, God is good, let us thank us for us, food by his hand, we are fed, gifts now our daily bread. And that's about the speed that we prayed it, um, particularly as we got older. And when we learned formula prayers, and, and that's how, how we learned to relate to God. And, um, and by, but whenever our kids grew up, Tyne and I decided not to teach our kids uh, formula prayers. And so they began to pray, and they, you know, because we wanted them to be about God and all that kind of thing. And, and, and they, they didn't pray formula prayers until they turned their prayers into formula prayers. And so the prayer that they sort of came up was, thank you, Lord, for this food. Forgive us of our sins. Amen. I mean, that, that was sort of the prayer that they sort of formulated. It was even shorter than the one that my parents thought. But they, they, they became a formulated prayers. And, 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 and as we started out in prayer life, in a, in a time of praying to God, we were basically asking stuff from God. What can I get from God? That, that was how, sort of how we sort of approach prayer. It's, what can I get from God? How can he bless me and it's help me, bless me, watch over me, mine, and um, bless my stuff and bless my people and bless my, my church and bless, 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 bless me, 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 my, 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 my. And that, that's sort of how we, we, we learned about prayer. It's all about what could God give me? What could God do for me? And probably some of you don't pray for the exact same reason that I do pray. Some of you used to pray, and as time went on, you stopped praying because you prayed and you stopped getting from God, or God didn't answer a specific prayer that you were hoping that he would answer, and so you stopped praying because you weren't getting from God. You decided not to pray, and um, you just gave up on it, and so what we try to do with our prayer life and those who have us who do pray, we try to get the coins right into the vending machine, push the right buttons, you know, C4, you know, it's going to be M&Ms, or C5 is going to be a, a healing, C7, you know, is going to be um, relationship reunion. I mean, we're, we, we sort of punch the numbers trying to pray right so that we will get what we want from God. And so prayer became getting from God. It's basically that, that whole thing. And, um, but maybe you prayed for something really important, and God didn't do what you wanted God to do. You didn't get from God what you were hoping to get from God. And if we're not careful, what happens is prayer becomes like a little luck charm, a little rabbit's foot that we rub. Uh, We used to... We still do. We travel quite a bit whenever we go see family because both my wife's family and my family are over 10, miles away, 10 hours away from us. And whenever we used to drive the green van on those long trips with like 170,000 miles on, now it's up to 218,000 miles, you know, we would, we would pray for our trips. And, and the kids got used to that and they would, they would start say, you know, we haven't prayed yet because we got to, you know, got to rub that because if we don't pray, if we don't have that prayer time, if we don't do that, God's not going to protect us, bless us, and take care of us. That's sort of what, what, what we, you know. So, so, and whenever you're praying, you know, you're driving in this 1995 Plymouth Grand Voyager, it really does improve 
your prayer life with God. I mean, it's one of those, those things. You never know what's going to happen on, on those trips. And we, we sort of did that. And we would do whatever it took to get that old girl to get down the road. So we keep praying. You know, we, we do weird things with prayer. Like we sit around a group and we say, do you have any prayer requests, right? Do you have any prayer requests? And we take the prayer requests. I do this. I mean, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying what, what we do. And then we pray as if God did not hear our prayer request. Isn't that weird? Oh, thank you for calling on me because I wasn't paying attention the first time around. I mean, we just do this weird thing with prayer. I mean, we, just, we, we, we act as if God doesn't hear our conversation. It's like, oh, he's outside of the room. Now we're going to bow our head. Now all of a sudden he's going to come in the room. Just, just a, I mean, just a weird, weird thing. I'm not criticizing. I'm just, 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 a, just a little weird. weird. Um, and then it's a little weird about how God answers prayers. Have you ever... You wondered why he answers some prayers and no prayer, other prayers. You know, I have a 45-year-old friend. He has 12 children, and that's a prayer request in and of itself. And, um, but he also has Parkinson's disease, and he's been told that he probably has about five years to live. And, you know, we pray for him. There's people praying for him all across the country, all around the world. I mean, he's, you know, I know some of you guys pray for him, for him on a daily basis. And God's not doing anything. And then somebody will come up to me and say, you know what, Jeff, could you pray for John? Johnny wants to get on a certain soccer team and so that, you know, he's five years old, but if he gets on this soccer team, someday he'll be in the Olympics. And so if, if you could pray that he would get on that soccer team, then um, he would get to the Olympics. And so, you know, I mean, people ask preachers to do weird prayers. They think we have better access. So I pray and, you know, shoot a prayer up and that kind of thing. And then they come back, back two weeks later and say, guess what? Thank you for praying for me, you know, my son Johnny, because Johnny's now on that soccer team and he's going to be, you know, he's got the chance to go to the Olympics now. And I mean, it's just going to be great. And and you wonder why God answers that prayer. And then like yesterday, I mean, this is a perfect example. Yesterday I was, I was looking for my camera. I used a camera a lot here at church, and I, and I couldn't find it. And I looked and looked and looked and couldn't find it. And I was you know, starting to get a little panicky about losing my camera. And so, um, so I'm back there in the sound booth there, and I was messing around with something. Like, well, I haven't prayed. I'll pray, and I'll ask God. Help me find my camera, and, and Lord, this will give glory to you, and I'll be able to say it, talk to you, talk about you, and how good you are to help me find something tomorrow morning in church. So what I do is I walk into my office, and guess what? There it is, looking straight at me. I, I, I mean, I had looked there, I had looked at the, and there it is, right on the shelf, where I put it. God answered my prayer. I mean, why does God answer this prayer about a, a, a goofy camera, and why does He answer a prayer about Johnny Soccer? But could he put some energy into healing Todd? Why does he answer some and not others? It's sort of weird, isn't it? Sort of different. And some of us stop praying because God doesn't answer some of those prayers that we want. And others of us pray because we're afraid not to. We're afraid not to pray. And someone calls, comes along and says, the reason God's not answering your prayers is because you don't have enough faith. And Jesus tells us that we have the faith of a mustard seed. And, you know, I have friends, we have friends, his name, the young man's Eric, and when he was seven years old, he had come down with neoplastoma, which is a pretty rare cancer. And when you get it, your life expectancy is less than five years, and now he's 22 years old. And I would go down there and visit him at the Children's Hospital in Boston, and I'd go see 
see them and, and people would come and tell the mom, say, well, the reason that your son isn't getting better is because you don't have enough faith. Now, that's helpful, isn't it? No. Because <laughs> Jesus tells us it's just the faith of a mustard seed. You mean I don't even have mustard seed faith? I don't even have that kind of faith? And we wonder, and God had answered that prayer. But what if? But what if we discovered that prayer wasn't primarily about getting from God? What if Jesus' viewpoint was totally different? What if prayer was something else? And that getting from God was only a tiny portion of what prayer was about. What if, what if prayer isn't really about getting from God? What if it's, it's, it's something else? So what if prayer, by God's standard, is something different? You know, maybe we've spent most of our lives praying to God, hoping to get from God. Maybe we've done it and we've seen, you know, sometimes he answers, sometimes he don't. We do some weird things with prayer. And maybe those getting from God isn't what prayer's all about. Maybe, maybe there's something else. There's a different purpose for prayer. And when we spend most of our time in the give me, get me, take care of mine, protect mine, be mine, you know, that kind of thing, we might miss the real reason for prayer. For so many of us, if we evaluate our prayers, we would see that too often it's about getting from God. And so I want us to look at two passages of scriptures. Today we're going to look at one. Next week we're going to look at the same one except a little further down. And then next week after that we're going to look at a third passage of scripture. Now, Jesus teaches us how to pray. I mean, how many, I mean, other than being told a formula prayer, how many of you ever, you know, someone said, um, you know, went up to someone and said, you know, teach me to pray. There was, there was something about the quality of Jesus' prayer life that his disciples, and this is the only place in the Bible that goes up to him in, chapter, in Luke and, and says, teach us to pray. There was something about his prayer life that was so unique, so different from the whole crowd around him. There's something different about Jesus' prayers and Jesus has these men who follow him and see his prayer life. Jesus says, there is something about prayer that you don't know. That there's something about prayer that you've missed, something about prayer that, that you, that's, that, that, that's there that you, you, that, that, that you think isn't important, but that is the central issue. That, 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 that you think that getting from God is the thing about prayer, and it's really not that important about it. And so Jesus gives us teaching. Now, we're going to go to the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6 of, 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 of Matthew. And chapter 6 of Matthew is, is the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus begins teaching us. And look what it says in verse 5. He says, and when you pray, his assumption is that we will pray. He doesn't say if you pray. He knows that people pray. He knows that people do pray. And so he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Now, hypocrites were mask wearers. Mask wearers are those who, who were um, played in the theater. And they would put a smiley face on their face when they were happy. And they would wear that mask. And then they would go get another mask and put the frowning face or the evil face or the, you know, the, the hero face. And they would just switch faces. And they were called mask wearers. We use the word hypocrites, and we just think of church people, right? I mean, that's sort of what happened. I mean, that's nothing personal, but that's sort of what we think of, right? 
hear the word hypocrites? What do you think, church people? And if you don't, everybody out there does. <laughs> you know, out in the world, they, they think of us. Okay, now, but then he goes, for they love to stand, pray, standing in the synagogues. Isn't it interesting that one of the first places that things that Jesus talks about prayer here is about where you pray? Isn't that weird? That location matters? He says, says, you know, the location matters. It's like, you know, it's like real estate, location, location, location. For some reason, for Jesus, where you pray is important. We don't think where you pray is important, do we? Because praying is talking to God. I can do that anywhere. I can can be driving down 80, going 75 miles an hour, you know, putting my makeup on, talking on a cell phone, and I can shoot up a prayer to God, and that's going to be a real meaningful thing. Because it's going to be talking to God, and that's a really good thing to talk to God, right? That's what we do. We, we think that, that that's, that's what it's about, right? We, we shoot it up. But Jesus says, whoa, 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 where matters. Don't be like the hypocrites who stand in the streets and in the synagogues. They stand up there, and they pray to be, verse 5, to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. You know what he's saying? Now, these are religious leaders. They pray standing in the street corners. They st- pray standing in the synagogues. And they've received their reward. The reward is, good job. You are such a good prayer. Oh, what a beautiful prayer. Good job. Good job. Oh, man, you are a godly person. Good job. Thank you for praying for it, you know, from, from people. And so what does God do in those kinds of prayers? You know what he does? Nothing. Because they've already received their reward in what? Full. They've received everything that they're going to receive. God's not going to do anything. Because they love to stand up on street corners. They love to stand in the synagogues. And they love to pray. It turns out that our relationship with God can often be some kind of trophy that we carry. Look how wonderful I am. You are a spiritual person. Have you ever entered into a human relationship in which you were a trophy? Some of you are trophy wives. You know, you, you're, you're, you got married. Guy married you. Why? Because you were the trophy. I'll be important. I'll be more valuable because I've got the trophy. And some of you may have married somebody who's rich or the potential to be rich, and you said, I've got the trophy, husband. Okay? I mean, that's sort of how, you know, I've got, and and you know what? When we use a relationship in order to make ourselves more valuable, we don't like that. We don't like that being done to us, do we? Do you think God likes us to use him to make us be more valuable? Isn't that weird that how we can do that kind of a thing? Is it sort of strange? And then he goes on, verse 6. He says, but when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Now, now the, the, room, the room back then, it, it was your storage room. Because it was the only room in the house that you would have that would have no windows and a door at that time. Every other, there was, you know, the other place, there really wasn't rooms in the sense that we had, but there was a closet, there was, there was a storage unit. And he says, now go to the place where no one will see you, no one will hear you, 
and close the door behind you and pray to your Father who is unseen. He tells them a different where, doesn't he? He tells them a where to go to pray is a closet. Not on a street corner, not where people can see you, not, not on, uh, the, the, in the synagogues where people will see you, but rather go to your room and close the door. Because there's a, when you have a relationship with somebody, an intimate relationship with somebody, guess what? You go to the private place. The most intimate human relationship I have is with my wife, Tina. There's parts of our relationship that is unseen, unheard by anyone else. The doors are closed. The blinds are shut. And so my wife has seen the very good parts of me and the very ugly parts of me. She knows where the hairs are in the back of my back. You know? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, think about it. She knows where those birthmarks are. I've stood before her naked. I've not stood before my kids naked. Okay? Why? And you know what? what? The quality of that relationship in private is reflected in the public. Right? The private relationship comes into the public but it overflows. And likewise, our relationship with God that is done in private overflows into our relationship with God in public. See, Jesus never condemns public prayer. Matter of fact, he prays publicly. His disciples pray publicly, okay? But the fact of the matter is that our private prayer, our prayer when the door is closed, the windows are shut, when no one's there to hear us, no one's there to see us, is the basics, the foundation for what we do in public. The only audience in marriage is each other and God. And when we go to God in prayer, he is our audience and no one else. Look what he says now. He says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You're going, oh man, now we're at it. Now we're at this reward part. He sees what we've done, and, 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 and now, now he's going to reward us. This is what this is about. So that's what I'm talking about here. You know, That's what we want, right? So if getting what I want, what do I do? I go to my room, I close the door, and I pray. And if I go do that, then God will answer my prayers the way that I want him to answer my prayers. Do you know I am very thankful that God doesn't answer all my prayers? Can, can you imagine if God answered every one of your prayers? how bad your life would be. <laughs> I mean, for some people, it's swearing. They say God, and they put another word there, and that, would, that person would automatically just die right there in front of us. God blank you. Well, that took care of that one. You know? Or, 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 or think about it. I remember when in, in college, I prayed, oh, Lord, I want to marry this girl, I want to marry this girl, I want to marry this girl. And I am so thankful that God said no, because I would have never met Tina. I would never had her. We would never be together. We'd never have the four kids we have. I'm so glad God said, no. Sometimes I don't even know what I ought to pray for. 
I need the Holy Spirit to do the interpretation and translation for me because he knows better than I do. So I'm so glad that God doesn't answer all my prayers, that he doesn't reward everyone that I shoot up to him. But then, 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 then he goes on, and he goes on, verse 7, look, look what he says. And when you pray, do not be like the, keep on babbling like the pagans. Now the pagans are those who do not believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are the ones who have many, many, many gods. Okay, there's many, 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 many gods. For they think that they will be heard or taken seriously because of their, their, their many words. If they, what they would do here, this is interesting, what they would do is that they would say, they would pray, oh Zeus, do this, oh Mars, do this. Oh, Venus, do this. And it would be the same thing. They would just keep repeating prayer after prayer after prayer, naming a different God. So maybe what happens is that they would finally get one God who would answer them. And so that would be how they would do it. So they would just go on and on and on, and and they would just keep at it and at it and at it and at it. And um, sometimes I think we do that with God, don't we? We think that we can nag God into submission, (laughs) That we can get what we want, we get what we're looking for, get what we hope to get if we just ask him enough times in enough ways and with the right words, if we just put the words together in the right way, God will answer us. And, and so we take your turn into magic. It's like whenever your child is, um, keeps asking for something in the store over and over again. That never happens to any of you parents, does it? Where they want the same thing over and over and over again, and they just keep asking and asking and asking. I remember a few years ago, JJ really, really wanted either a, a, another pet or a little sister. And she would ask Tina all the time, couldn't I have a baby sister, can I have a baby sister? And her prayers at night, Lord, please give me a baby sister, please give me a baby sister. We weren't cooperating. And, um, and, and, and we, no, no baby sister, okay? So she was really surprised that one day I brought home Rosie the dog from Rachel, who's getting it back today. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, she was so, I mean, JJ was so surprised. And I said, JJ, this is your last dog. Because I believe that the life begins when the kids leave home when the dog dies, okay? That was my big thing. I mean, they, everyone was surprised. Amen. We got, we got, do I have a witness back here, brother? Amen, okay. I mean, and, and, you, know, you, you have four children too, right? Two boys, two girls, that's why. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and, 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 which is a surprise. And I said, no more animals. Guess what she tried to do last week? Try to get me into a hamster. It's not going to work. No hamsters. Because it will end up being food for Rosie. And it will be bad, 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 bad. And we can accept that from a, from a, a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old. But it's hard to accept nagging from a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old. Nothing personal back here, guys. <laughs> I mean, we, we really, we, you know, it's a little hard to take it. It's just, just hard to, to deal with it. See, what we think we can do with God is do the same thing. If I get the words right, if I say it enough times, if I can nag God into it, he'll give me what I want. I'll get what I want. See, prayer is about getting what I want. So I, I get the formula. Now, look what Jesus says. He, does it. he throws this curveball into the whole deal in verse 8. He says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Well, what's the point then? What's the point? If God already knows what I need before, why ask him? Why, why, why bother with that? Why, what, what's the deal here? He knows what I need. Then why does he just give it to me? If you're able to grasp this, that God already knows what I need before we... I ask him, then you are on the verge of a breakthrough because you're not there to inform God about anything. 
God already knows. Pour out your heart to God, but don't spend all your time on what you want God to get you. Jesus makes it clear, God already knows what you need. He is the God of the universe. He knows all, and it is okay to ask. But don't think that by asking, he didn't know it before you asked him what you wanted or what you needed. And don't think that by using a formula or a bunch of words or getting it right or praying in front of people is going to somehow coax God into doing what you want. Your heavenly Father is much more interested in something totally different. Look what he says. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say this is what you should pray. It says how you should pray. So it's a model. It's not a rote thing. And he begins by saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There's nothing wrong with repeating this prayer. There's nothing wrong with it, okay? But notice that he used the word our Father, that we go before God, even in our private place, because remember, he's already told us to go to your private place, but we're not going there as an only child. We're going there as a community, even when we're in private. That we're going there with, in mind, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's an our Father. And notice he uses the word Father. Very, very interesting fact here is that Jesus is the first one who ever calls God the Father and directs it to him. In the Old, Old Testament, now there's a few references of God being called Father, references Father, but as far as anyone saying our Father or approaching God as the Father, only Jesus. And that's his favorite words for using as he directs to Jesus. Yeah, Jesus in his prayers, his, his, his words are Father. Father has to do, and then some of you are going, I don't like this whole thing about God being father because I had a bad father and so patriarchal and all that kind of thing. It's more about a relationship with God and, and you know, God's a father and that whole relationship of caring and protecting. And because, see, see, here it is. The purpose of prayer is about having an intimate relationship with God. That's what the purpose of prayer is. The purpose of prayer is that relationship with your heavenly father. It's an intimate, personal relationship. Prayer is not getting from God, but prayer is getting with God. Prayer is not about receiving from God, but relating to God. And that's what God wants our prayers to be. That's what Jesus wants our prayers to be. It, 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 an intimate relationship. If you're to have an intimate relationship with God, you've got to go to a private place. You can't do intimate relationship out front of people. It's not where you do intimate relationship. It's not where you do that sort of thing. Intimate relationship is done in a private place, in a personal space. It's done between the two. Your heavenly Father is more interested in his relationship with you. See, if you're a dad, if you're a mom, if you're a child, if you're a son, a daughter, if you are um, whatever job you have, know what's the most important thing in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ? The most important thing is your intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father. 
There's nothing else that's more important. Everything else will flow out of your intimate relationship with the Father. Everything will flow out from there. Every, all, how you're, you're being a dad will flow out. How you're being a wife, how you're being a servant, how you're being a worker, whatever, will flow out of that private, intimate relationship with Jesus through, in, in God the Father. So let me give you a couple things, practical things. Because location matters. Pick a private place to pray. When you pray, go to a private place and at a regular time. See, if I relate to my wife and to my kids as simply at Mach 2, you know, and it's, it's a phone call here. Oh, you're going to pick up that one? Oh, okay, I'll pick up this one. Oh, you're going to go do that? And now, now, we're talking all the time about stuff like that. But if I don't set aside time with Tina that's just us, just the two of us, what happens? There's a disconnect, isn't there? There's a disconnect. And I know that if I don't have a regular time and a regular place to be with God... It only takes about 24 hours, 24 hours, for the, the embers to start to, to go down, that the relationship, that the connection becomes weak. And I'm not saying you have to be there like for hours and hours and hours and, you know, praying. I'm, I'm not, don't, don't, don't start there. And some of you, you, you haven't even had a private time with God or, or a personal private time in a personal private place. Is we've got some sheets out there on the, um, on, on, on the table, the welcome table, just to give you a place to start. It's better for you to spend a minute and a half with God in private than to go through your day shooting up these little requests, gimme, 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 See, I think that prayer, getting from God is a portion of prayer. It's, it, it is a portion of prayer, and we're going to talk about it more. Um, it's, it is a portion of prayer. But there's so much more. When we moved up into our house in New England, this house on the outside, looked pretty big. Lots of rooms. It looked, just looked like it, but we weren't sure. And whenever we moved up there, Michael was three years old, 15 years ago. We moved up there, and we go into the, you entered in through the basement, and you climbed a set of stairs, and there was an office, then there was a bathroom, and then you walked into a, a, a kitchen and the laundry room. And that's basically where we stood, and we talked for a long time, and and. Michael started to wander around a little bit, and there was another room. And then there was another room. Then he went upstairs. And then there was a bedroom, and then there was another bedroom, and another bathroom, and another bedroom, and another bedroom, and another, there was another bathroom, and then another bedroom, and another bedroom after that. And then there was another set of stairs that we went up, up and curved around into this house, so it's like four stories tall, and, and there was another room. And then he went downstairs in the basement, and there was another room, another room, another room, another room, another room. And then there was this... This church building attached to it. Then there was another room and another room and another room and a big room downstairs in the basement. And then upstairs it went there and there's a big auditorium and there was all this other stuff. And had we stayed just in the kitchen and in the laundry room, we would have missed the entirety of the house, wouldn't we? The entirety of the building. And I think for too many of us, what we do is we stay in the prayer of give me, get me, give to me, give, do something for me. And we never search out the other rooms of the house of what prayer has for us. The relationship with God, of going deep with God, of relating to God. Prayer 
is primarily about an intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father. And because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, you can have access. You do not get access on your own. You have access through one called Jesus Christ. I would like you, if you have your Bibles, look at um, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. It says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? The benefit, the reward of prayer, you know what it is? It's not give me, get me. Is that you have a relationship with God the Father who is with you, and you have that peace that He is with you. He's not going to give us everything we want, thank God. <laughs> but you have peace with a relationship with Him. Then moving on, verse 2 through whom we have access by faith into grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice. In the hope of the glory of God. We have hope. We have peace. We have access through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross to save you and I from our sins. So that you and I can relate to God the Father. What a great gift he's given us. This morning as we celebrate communion. Let us remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. This morning I want you to hold the bread and the cup as it is passed. And then we'll take it together. Because through Jesus Christ. You and I have access.